Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jesse DePlanis. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast today. I have a sermon, got kind of a strange title, entitled, I've Fallen in Love with the World. People freak out when I say that. Not the things of the world, but the world. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then I like this. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So in other words, I have got to love this place just like God does to get people saved, healed, and touched. So sit down and get a pencil and a paper, write some notes, bless God. We're going to do God's heart today. I've fallen in love with the Word. Now I want to read this verse, Mark chapter 16, verse oh, 15. He said unto them, now it's in black, then it goes red. So these are Jesus' literal words. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So you don't have to figure out what to do. You don't have to try to get your agenda. The agenda has been set. It's in red, so it's blinking. How many of y'all have seen a red light? It gets your attention, doesn't it? Right. He said, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. So I don't have to try to figure out what I should do in life. And then it says to who? To every creature. Every creature. That's why I've prayed for dogs. I look at animals and I just say, Lord, bless them in the name of Jesus. Well, I've seen some dogs go, oh, seem like they got touched. Now, you know, that sounds funny. But God said he notices a sparrow that falls. You don't think God is an environmentalist. He is. He truly is. He's very concerned about his creation. Now go with me to John chapter 3. We're going to read the text and then we're going to get into this. John chapter 3, the most famous verse in the Bible. Verse 16, it says, For God so loved. Love what? The world. Do you love the world? Or do you love the things of the world? You need to ask yourself that every day of your life. If you'll do that and put that first in your daily walk with God, you'll have a hard time sinning. Because you sin when you love the things of the world. You don't sin when you love the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Love always is in partnership with giving. Write that down. Love is always in partnership with giving. Why? What makes a successful marriage is when you give yourself to each other and no one ever comes into that circle of environment. To death do you part. So there's a giving in understanding what love is. For God so loved the world that he gave, then he tells you what he gave. His only begotten son. Could you do that? Could you give your granddaughter for a sacrifice? Could you give your son? I'm going to be honest with you. I could not. I have not attained that yet. I haven't. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I love that. That whosoever. That's three words in one word. Who, so, and ever. He connected them. Which means you it encompasses everything you can think. 
Now let me do a little preaching teaching first and then I'll get funny after a while. But whosoever believeth, oh, I love that. In him, so there's an object to believe in. Should not perish. It didn't say would not. It said should not perish, but have. And what is the greatest gift you can ever receive? A Mercedes Benz? No. Good car. A beautiful home. No. Nice. The greatest gift, and I'll deal with that in the message, is everlasting life. Everlasting. Or lasting ever. Life. And most people stop there and doesn't realize that verse 17 is just as important as verse 16. And I wish the preaching world, the priest world, would understand this. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. How many times you went to church and got condemned? How did that happen? They were reading a genetically altered Bible. They were genetically altered to make you feel guilty. When love does not make you feel guilty, love opens your eyes to the truth. Oh, Lord, I'm going to buy this tape myself. I don't have all this in my notes. I had not got to my notes yet. People get angry at me because I will not condemn people. Who am I to think that I have the power to condemn to start with? For God not, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Might. I wish he'd have said would. But if he'd have said would, then he would have taken away your will. Oh, Boy, I had a Holy Ghost coming on. I can feel it. I got goosebumps, big as oranges on my legs right now. Lord Jesus. I wish he would have said would. And at times in prayer, I'd say, why didn't you say would? Make them. He said, then I would never know if you truly loved me. I can make you. But then I would never know if you truly would love me. Just a few days ago, I had one of my employees ask me the same question. Brother Jesse, why do you preach so much? Why do you go so much? I mean, you run tired. You run constantly. Why? To meet this budget, which is in the millions of a month. No. The title of this message is why I preach so much. I have fallen in love with the world. Not the things of the world. Now, if you're going to applaud, do it right or don't do it at all. Don't patty clap. See, when I kiss Kathy, I don't peck her son. I double lip lock the woman. Now you got the revelation. Okay. <laughs> I have fallen. Look at Kathy. She's mine. <laughs> I have fallen in love with the world. Yeah, but you get tired. Okay. It's very expensive. Yes. 
It's lonely, yes. Sometimes you don't want to go, yes. But it makes no difference. The country, the culture, or the climate. We preach this gospel. He said, go ye. But most people say, ye go. They take their responsibility and place it on another. That doesn't mean you quit your job. You may not be called to the ministry gift of an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist, pastor or teacher. But we're all called to evangelize with the witness of who Christ is in us. That's evangelism every day of your life. So that's what moves me. See, a lot of ministries go out to get money. They go out to charge money. I've had people say, why haven't you charged people to come to church? Because Jesus didn't. Well, what about the budget? What about it? Did God tell you to do it? Is your budget bigger than what God said? You see, we got to change the world. I saw something yesterday. We were out, <clears throat> out eating dinner with a few friends, and it was a blessing. We drove by the New Orleans Mission. Saw a lot of blankets and, you know, looked like sleeping bags and stuff out on the grass. Turned on the news last night, and a lot of people were going into the New Orleans Mission, which is a worthy cause, to get people out of the cold. That's wonderful. That's religion. But here's the problem. It helps the poor. Great. But when will they change the status of the poor? Now, I'm not talking about New Orleans Mission. They're honorable. I'm talking about when will we stop poverty in the world? So the next cold spell, we're going to have more homeless. When will the homeless no longer be homeless? See, that's genetically altered Christianity that has financed poverty instead of eradicating it. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm not against, I help the poor, I do it because God said to do it. That's not the issue. You want to criticize me for prosperity? I, the reason God tells us to preach prosperity is not so we can have money, so we can stop the poverty that is the greatest sickness on this planet. And yet we canonize it. I wanted to see all those people not sleeping on the grass or under a bridge. It would be nice if we went back next year and they'd say, oh, then we have no more homeless in New Orleans. Yeah. Amen. We've eradicated poverty in our city. Not through socialism. No. Because if you pay people to be poor, they stay poor. Oh, Lord, this is good. I want to preach this so strong, but I'm holding on to this pulpit because he said, teach this. When you fall in love
with someone, you change their destiny. You change where they are to where they should be. Is that understandable? Now write this down. Understanding the purpose of evangelism will produce compassion for others. It's a drive birthed out of love. I had compassion upon those people, but it didn't stop them from being homeless. I have to say something. I have to do something to make them say, I will not be homeless no more. I will not be sick no more. Don't shout me down. I'll not be lazy no more. I'll do whatever it takes. I heard the other day a person quit their job because they wasn't paying them enough. So it goes on the unemployment rank. Do you think unemployment's gonna pay you what you make it? And here's a person's wife who's pregnant. She gotta carry all this load. Let me just tell you the generation I came out of. The generation I came out of, when you married a woman, you took care of that woman. You did whatever it takes. You got to cut grass, pull weeds. I don't care about your pride. You took responsibility. You manned up. Come on, ladies. You should be shouting. I'm helping you out here. Woman shouldn't have to work unless she wants to. Ladies, y'all should have shouted like crazy right there. If you want to work, that's fine. That's wonderful. I, I believe in that. But you shouldn't have to. Why? Because your man. That's not how we say it, Ron. That's how the black people. Your man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord. I want to be taking care of you. Why do you work so hard for Kathy? I'm falling in love with her. Not the thing she does sometimes, but <laughs> her. <laughs> She's trying to teach me. I saw compassion, but compassion will not stop poverty. We gotta say something. Then we gotta do something to energize. Because every created, every being that's created by God on this planet has something in them that is profitable to the world. We just got to touch it and bring it out of them. Mm -mm. Understand that the purpose of evangelism will produce compassion for others. It's a drive birthed out of love. Write this down. This love for mankind is a spiritual truth. That must be spiritually discerned. When you understand this, it's a spiritual truth. But if you don't spiritually discern it, it keeps things level all the time. It never rises above the problem. It's a spiritual truth that must be spiritually discerned. Evangelism. Write this down. Preaching the gospel is a divine work. Oh, Lord. It changes lives. And it opens ears to the truth. It's a divine work. The world and a lot of ministry have made it a lousy work. But it's truly divine to be called by God 
to preach this gospel because it changes lives. But more than that, it opens ears to the truth. The truth of who God is. Instead of religion, as I've said many times, instead of being homiletical, and I love homiletics, hermeneutical, and I love hermeneutics. I am Dr. Jesse Duplantis, you understand? I can preach Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Church of God, Church of God in prophecy. Ah, Lord, Lord. I can hoop it, I can whoop it, you name it. I know how to do that. But how I do it is not the divine part of it. Preachers, did you hear that? Are you still looking for somebody to praise you? Are you still looking for somebody to say, oh, you're going to bless them with your presence? Woo, this is the new year, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to me. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. The church better wake up and finish this commission. Do you hear what I'm saying? No. The divine part of it is the gospel. Not how you look, how you talk, how you can move a crowd. That's not divine. That's flesh. Preaching the gospel is the divine work. Now it says to every creature, every creature, how can you be prejudiced? How can you think you're better than anyone else when God said creature and you are a creature? But as a white creature, well, whoopie doo. As a black creature, whoopie doo. To every creature, how can you look at anyone and look down on them? Because of their color, nationality, creed, or culture. When that divine gospel is sin, go ye. I don't want to go over there. It's hot. Who cares about the climate? It's cold, so write this down. When the gospel is preached correctly, people hear it, receive it, and their faith rises and their perspective changes. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the gospel is divine and sharing it with others is a divine work. That's more than just witnessing. Maybe you're asking yourself, what can I do for God? Listen to this. You don't have to be a preacher to be a proclaimer. You hear that? We can share Jesus right where you are, right, right now. If you're a mom or a dad, you can raise your children in the word and impact the next generation. Think about that. If you're in the arts, God can use you to show his creativity. If you're in business, God can use you in every transaction you make. Think about that for a minute. You see, the only Jesus some people may ever see is the Jesus in you or the Jesus in me. You've heard me say that many, many times. Sometimes the best witness is really not saying anything. It's letting your light so shine. People read you. You'd be surprised that they'll see that spirit of Christ in you. And I like that Christ in you, the hope of glory. This message has some revelation in it. And due to time constraints, we can't play it all. 
So I, I'm going to ask you to do something. There's a lot more in this season that you didn't get to see today. That's why we've made this sermon, I Fall in Love with the World, our February partnership offer. All you got to do is go to JDM.org for all the ordering information and you will be blessed. I'm telling you, let your light so shine. Not just trying to sell you something. I'm saying man, we get this gospel out to the world. The Bible said Jesus will come. You know, a lot of people send me questions, and I, I thank God for that. And I try to answer them to the best of my ability. And I, and I appreciate everyone that has sent questions, and we try to get to as many as we can. Here's one from a man named Tom. He says this, Jesse, I've heard you say that we are our brother's keeper. Can you explain that, please? And how do I do that when my own natural brother is so hateful towards me? Tom, I understand what you're talking about. I believe everybody's had some kind of family problems. How you keep your brother's keepers is just you pray for people. That doesn't, you just pray for them. You know, you can do a, what I call a covert operation, go undercover, glory to God. And they may be hateful. Let them say what they want. It doesn't make any difference, my Lord. You just pray. Pray, because see, the promise of God's are far more powerful than the sins of people. Let me say it again. The promises, let me make it plural. The promises of God are far more powerful than the sins of people. So maybe he's very hateful. I don't deny that, but Tom, you're not. You see what I'm saying? So let your prayer pray. And I know it's not easy. I ain't saying it's easy, but I know it'll work and God will help you. Father, I ask you to bless Tom, minister to him right now, give him insights and concepts and ideas on how to handle this situation today. I decree and declare it for Tom and everyone else that has this problem in their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Tom, it's going to work. Kathy's coming right now with some great, glorious moments where you send in those things, and we like to share them with the world. Take it away, Kathy. I'm glad that you're watching Glorious Moments today. It's a blessing to share this awesome testimony that was sent to us from our partner in Illinois. It says, Brother Jesse and Sister Kathy, you both have no idea how much your ministry has helped me. Since watching your videos on YouTube, purchasing several of your books, and hearing your sermons, I've seen myself go from baby Christian to toddler, and now I'd like to think of myself as finally making it to a child. I've been delivered from so many curses the devil has tried to put on me. I now take every opportunity I can to call him the loser that he is and parade all of my victories in his face. I was believing for a job from God, working from home, and not only was I hired for a work-from-home company, but instead of bi-weekly pay, I'm getting paid weekly now and $2 more an hour than I asked for, much more than I even asked Abba Father God for. He truly is the God of abundance. You taught me how to believe the unbelievable, receive the impossible, because it's doable. It's been so potent to me that I've written it on my wall above my workspace in permanent marker on the paint so that it stays put. Now I'm believing God for my car and I know it's coming sooner than I expect because it's impossible and you've taught me that faith is designed for the impossible. Thank you both for spreading the word, accepting my partnership, and using my offering to get more souls into the kingdom. You know, Jesse and I love receiving testimonies from people impacted by the gospel through our ministry that began 43 years ago. We have fallen in love with the world and love what God loves, souls. And we're thankful to God and our faithful partners that help us reach people and change lives one soul at a time. Thank you for watching today. And remember, God loves you and Jesse and I love you and you're going to make it and have a great, great year. God bless you. 
This image of fear rages. So where all this power is coming from? It's from the hand of Satan. I don't like fear. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. You're looking at a problem, I'm looking at an answer. Your problem will get bigger, my answer will destroy your problem. What's behind the coronavirus? Jesse's popular message on overcoming fear now available uncut in its entirety from JDM.org. You know, this message is so powerful. And the reason why it is because it's a directive from God Almighty to go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, partners, we couldn't do that without your faithful financial support. All these years, we've been preaching 45 years. Isn't that amazing? Been in full-time ministry, and I mean almost every day, 43 years preaching this gospel. Couldn't do it without you. So thank you for your faithful financial support. Nothing too small, nothing too big. You've heard me say it thousands of times if you've watched me all these years. For every dollar that you send, we ask God to give us a soul into the kingdom. We have this slogan, reaching people, changing lives, one soul at a time. We couldn't do it without you. So partners, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I ask you to bless my partners with a 30, a 60, a 100-fold, and a 1,000-time return. Lord, that anointing of increases on this ministry and on me. I release it now to those people that are doing what you say to do. They're sowing seed into your kingdom. I thank you for it, Lord. I call those things that be not as though they were, because they will be in Jesus' name. Now, I mean that. That was a very powerful prayer. I just sensed the anointing of God flowing out. It's time for you to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in and blessed going out, spiritual, physical, financial, any which way you so desire, and you'll be blessed. And now listen to this. More than ever before, our social media outlets are impacting lives all over the world. It's amazing. So I want you to connect with us on Facebook, where we have nearly 800,000 followers. Our YouTube channel has taken off to right around 200,000 followers. We have about 300,000 followers on Twitter. Isn't that amazing, my God? Sitting right here. It's <laughs> amazing to me. You'll always find an encouraging word on all these platforms. So be sure to connect with us today. And I'm telling you, you'll be blessed by it, as well as our broadcast television. Uh, what you're watching right now, we hadn't cut that off. We won't. We're going to go on every available outlet that the Lord said for us to go on. And it's all possible through the faithful financial blessings that the partners send to this ministry. Me and Kathy are totally debt free. We don't need nothing personally, none, zero. In fact, we are partners just like you are. Yes, we are. And God is so good and gracious. And, and we are great givers. And you know why? Because we have something to give. We sow seed, we get harvest, and we, all we do is just keep the process going. And I want to thank you for helping me reach people, change lives, one soul at a time. Next week, our new theme for 2021, What Shall I Do For Thee? You don't want to miss that. I'm telling you, it will change your life. Until next time, this is Jesse saying I love you. See you. Bye-bye. In the February issue of Voice of the Covenant magazine, Jesse teaches if you want to live at the top, you will need to subdue fear. Kathy shares how to love your loved ones to Christ. You will be encouraged with Glorious Moments praise reports, view our TV and meeting schedule, and much more. Voice of the Covenant magazine, available in your mailbox, on the free JDM app, and interactive at JDM.org. Get your copy today. He said, what shall I do for thee? Then he asked, what do you have in your house? Because God can't do nothing for you without a seed. A word is a seed. All seed has great value. 
Very, all seed is very valuable. It's the reason why sometimes it doesn't work, it's in the wrong soil. But the seed has that power to just multiply. 